This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. Wow, oh wow. (laughs) Let me tell you. The hate from this trade that happened today. Where Brandon Cooks was shipped off. The Houston Texans is insane. Insane. It's absolutely insane, the hate for this trade. The thing I haven't been able to pick up on, however, is which side is getting all the hate. You're hating on the Texans for sitting there and trading away a second round pick. Or you're hating on the Rams for eating up all that contract, all that dead money. And guess what? There is going to be a ton, a ton of dead money. There is. You obviously already have Todd Gurley's dead money, and they're not going to be able to spread Brandon Cook's dead money over to the following year because it processed prior to the draft picks processing. But typically, if you have two sides that are both getting hate, hell, there could be a good thing. Right? There could be positives to this trade. And honestly, hell, I actually think that both teams won. I thought it was a great trade for both teams. Yeah, I do. Think about it. The Texans got Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, who I know he has concussion issues. And I know that he hasn't been able to stick with the team. He's pretty much a mercenary at this point. But Brandon Cooks gets to go to a Texans team that is only going to be paying him $8 million a year. $8 million. That's it. That is it. This year, they're only going to pay him $8 million. Meanwhile, they signed Randall Cobb. And guess what? Guess what? David Johnson, right, which they acquired. All three of those guys are cheaper cheaper than what Hopkins would have likely gotten paid. Those three contracts would add up to less than what DeAndre Hopkins would have been making per year. So he's going for depth. Makes it sound a little bit better, right? Just a little bit. Makes it sound a little better. The reality is, is the Texans have so many holes on that team. Defense, offense, everywhere. I mean, they were terribly invested into terrible contracts. They don't have a good defense. And Bill O'Brien has still, by the way, won that division four years in a row. So he's a good coach, but he's a terrible GM, and that's obvious. But I think he's been sneaking some stuff by us that we didn't really see happening. The reality is, is Bill O'Brien might not be the head coach of the Texans come 2021 or 2022. And I think he knows that. I think he damn well knows that. So does he care about keeping Hopkins? In the organization past year 2020? No. You don't give a fuck. Does he care if they're strapped with a cap hit from David Johnson, Brandon Cooks in 2021, 2022? No. No. 
He is putting all the chips in the middle of the pot. He doesn't even care about re-signing Laramie Tunzel at this point. He's putting all the chips in the pot, and he's going for broke. Meanwhile, on the other side, we actually saw this happen over the past couple of years to an extent, and it hasn't worked out with the Rams. But the Rams know that they have time. The Rams know that they have a little bit of wiggle room. And what they wanted to do was essentially sell out to go to the Super Bowl, what Bill O'Brien's doing right now. They're going to sit there, they're going to acquire their young base talent, and they're going to acquire veteran after veteran after veteran, and they're going to make a run. They're going to make a run for the Super Bowl. And hey, it's worked out in some cases. They wanted to get back. But Sean McVay's play calling went stagnant, went stale, went stale. They kind of got figured out. Todd Gurley, mm, wore out his knees, right? Jared Goff got figured out. And some of these other guys that were on the roster just weren't performing at a high-end level. They were strapped to salary cap space. So, what'd they do? What did they do? They did the same thing that I tell you guys you should do with Dynasty when you realize that you're past the prime and you need to go out before you lose value with certain guys. And even if you're going to lose, even if you're not getting the exact players that you want, you need to take a shot and rebuild. You got to rebuild. You have to rebuild before it's too late or else you're going to be stuck in that rebuild for multiple, multiple years. Instead, you can flip, keep your core, lose for a year, and come back strong and throwing punches. And I think that's what the Rams are doing. They are figured out. They have figured out that they have made bad contract decisions. They paid Todd Gurley way too much. They paid and structured Brandon Cook's contract terribly. God, man. Even Jared Goff's contract structured horribly. It makes no sense to why they did that. But at the same time, when you look back at it, it did make sense. And if they made it to the Super Bowl, we wouldn't even be having this conversation that they're breaking their team down. Because it worked. However, they realized it didn't work. They now see that did not work. That was not the solution. So instead of reinvesting and re-upping like the Texans are, which you can do, they are going back and they're taking it from square one and they're rebuilding their team. They're getting draft picks, right? They're keeping their core. They're working on the trenches. And we're going to see what happens with it. I think Sean McVay is locked in there for at least another three years so he can afford to take a step back and redo this mess that they created. He didn't become innovative with his offensive play calling. His defensive strategy kind of went out the window to an extent. And yeah, we talked about their salary cap issues. But guess what Sean McVay is doing right now? He's spending hours and hours and hours every single day with his offensive coordinator and his offensive staff. They're looking into reinventing this offense. That's why they weren't at the combine. They weren't at the combine. They were at home studying ways to innovate their offense. They let their scouts handle the stuff they had to handle. Sean McVay sat down with Leach and he's like, hey, we need to redo this, this whole entire concept that we have of acquiring these veterans at expensive contracts. We have to redo it. We got to fix this. Guess what's happening? They're fixing it. We got to get younger. We got to get rookie contracts on the books. They're acquiring draft picks. Either way, I have no problem whatsoever 
with this trade. No problem whatsoever. Bill O'Brien's on his last leg, and he's taking shots. Hell, I'd be doing the same thing. Maybe not getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins, especially for the value that he got, but I'd be taking shots. I'd be mixing stuff up and taking shots. If I was the Rams, and I knew that I had time to rebuild, guess what I'm doing? I'm rebuilding. They both made mistakes. I think they're both taking the right steps to try and fix their mistakes. And Bill O'Brien, he can't afford to go into a rebuild because if his team sucks, if his team does not even make the playoffs, he will be fired. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Now, welcome in Fantasy Intervention, guys. We have a fun episode coming to you guys. Well, maybe not necessarily fun. It's going to be a little bit of a lecture to an extent. You know, I'm just seeing all sorts of conversation out there and I feel like I would not be doing you guys a service if I didn't say anything. If I didn't speak up and tell you guys to get your fucking heads on straight. Stop letting all this stupid information, all this off-season boredom from not having anything to link onto, let y'all's heads fill up, and then all of a sudden all you guys are doing is bobbling around, bobbleheads, having no brain up there, nothing, just an empty head bobbling around. Guys become bobbleheads. That might be a new thing for me. I like that. People just acting out from shit that they hear, letting values get too high. Bobbleheads, bobbling around. And you guys might hear some Bentley in the background. He's in play mode, of course, right when I go to record. That makes a lot of sense. He goes from napping to running around like a crazy animal. Bentley, do not bury that bone outside. I swear to God, I got to press pause for a second because he's about to bury a bone in the garden that I just planted. Give me one second. All right, I'm back. And yeah, I planted a garden doing watermelon seeds. What's up? But anyways, I have no idea where my train of thought was going with that. Thanks a lot, Bentley. So I am going to get into my next segment here that I wanted to talk about. And it was a conversation that I had the other day with somebody online. And it was about quarterback saturation and how the Dolphins wouldn't trade up with the Bengals because there's just too many starting quarterbacks out there. And I think people are forgetting this, especially in Dynasty, that there aren't that many quarterbacks. Sure, right now, this year, there are. And there will be for the next two or three years. There are definitely going to be more than enough quarterbacks that you can play you know, for fantasy. Sure, we'll give that to you. But is there really an oversaturation of quarterbacks? You know, we had some influx of new talent. We still have that, what, 2004, 2005 draft class. Still got a couple guys from that with Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger. Right? We have some other superstars out there. We still got Aaron Rodgers and everything. You know, Tom Brady. Right? Right? Yeah. There's still people out there. But honestly, the time period, the time period from 2005 to 2016 it's 11 years. We only have 10 starting quarterbacks. 10 from that area. That's brutal. That is brutal. Because that time period consists of guys that are from the ages of what, 25, 26, 27? Say 26 or 27, all the way up to what, 34, 35? We only have 10 guys in that range. Actually, I think it actually goes up to 36. 10 guys in that range. That's it. And typically, we would have close to 15 or 20 guys in that range. I mean, think about it. All at the same time. 
We had guys like Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, like we mentioned before, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We're used to having a handful, two handfuls, three, four handfuls of guys in that range. That's what makes up the majority, the majority of the quarterbacks. And now, now we only have 10. The worst part is we actually have 10 more guys that might not be relevant within the next three years. I mean, think about it. Rodgers is going to be 39 years old. Matt Ryan's going to be 38. Matthew Stafford can't stay healthy. His back is killing him, right? Philip Rivers is going to be gone. Tom Brady, who knows, but most likely going to be gone. Same thing with Drew Brees. We have Ben Roethlisberger, right? We've got Andy Dalton, if you want to call it that. We've got Ryan Fitzpatrick. These are all starting caliber guys. Guys we've relied on for multiple years. And now they're, they're pretty much going to be out of the picture here very, very soon. Meanwhile, we don't really have that great of young talent in the building. Like I said, we only had a total of, what, 10 guys in 11 years? I mean, great. We had a really, really solid draft of three or four guys. What was it? Three guys with Lamar Jackson. It was four. It was Lamar Jackson, Sean Watson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. We had four guys that one year. That's awesome. That's great. That's phenomenal. Right? But these other guys, some of these other guys are kind of question marks. You know, guys in the past two years, three years, we have guys like Haskins. Yeah, don't know what's going to happen with him. Of course, we have Darnold, who had an absolutely horrific year this past year. Baker Mayfield did not look good. Jared Goff reverted to his old ways. Trubisky, go ahead and throw him in the trash. I love Gardner Minshew, but is he a starting caliber quarterback? Is he going to retain that starting job? Highly doubtful. Those are the young guys we're looking at. You know, we still got to wait and see with Teddy Bridgewater. We still got to wait and see with Drew Locke. We still got to wait and see what happens with Derek Carr even. I mean, Daniel Jones looked good, but his turnovers were through the roof. And we don't even know what we have with Stidham. But we do know that the one pass that he threw, I think it was his first NFL pass, went for a pick six. I believe it was his first NFL pass anyways. Bill Belichick yanked him back out of the game. It was a blowout. He still didn't give him another chance. The way that I look at it, as we have Kyler Murray for the Cardinals, definite starter. Lamar Jackson, as long as he stays healthy, definite starter for the Ravens. Josh Allen, a lot of people don't believe in him. I do. I think that he's going to work out his deep ball accuracy and fix himself, get himself on the right page. I really like Josh Allen for the Bills. Dak Prescott, starter for multiple years. Watson, great. Mahomes, great. We've already talked about those guys. Vikings with Kirk Cousins should be a starter for at least three or four years minimum. Minimum. We have Garoppolo. We have Wilson, Russell Wilson that is, and then we have Ryan Tannenhill who I believe could be a starter for four or five years, especially on the contract he just signed. You know, he's only 31, still has a bunch of ability, still has a bunch of potential, and hell, he didn't look terrible with the Dolphins, it was just his inability to stay healthy. So as long as he can stay healthy, he's a starter too. But that's 11 guys. That's 11 guys that deserve to be starters in the National Football League. If you want to add in, let's just say, let's just hypothetically say, that we add in Cam Newton into that. Cool. We'll add in Cam Newton. We don't even know if he's healthy, but we're going to add him in. Jameis Winston, I believe he's still a starting caliber quarterback. In fact, I believe that he should end up on the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they're not going to because they want to tank for Trevor Lawrence. 
Jameis Winston, for me, is still a starting caliber quarterback. So we're going with 13 guys. And let's just hypothetically say, once again, that we have Tua that stays healthy. We have Joe Burrow. And we have uh, Herbert. We have Justin Herbert. Or Jordan Love. Let's just say three out of four of those guys are successful at the quarterback level. I mean, keep in mind, that hasn't been the case since 2005. or I should say since 2004. But still, let's just say, let's just hypothetically say that we get three out of four guys that are successful starting quarterbacks. All right, maybe it's just as good as the 2004 draft. We are now looking, we're now looking at what, 16 guys? 16 starting quarterbacks. 16. Let's say we get Trevor Lawrence and somebody else the following year. Talking about 18. Let's just say that we get two guys the following year. We're talking about 20. That's still 20 quarterbacks that are starting caliber quarterbacks out of 32 teams in three years from now. We're going to lose 10 guys. Do we have 10 guys coming in within the next three years? 10 guys. It's not looking promising. Not. It's not. Now, I'm hoping that guys like Sam Darnold work out. I'm hoping that guys like Baker Mayfield work out. But based off last year, it's not looking good. It is not looking good. So, with that being said, just keep in mind, keep in mind that quarterbacks might be a little bit harder to find three years from now in dynasty leagues. Value might go up. So getting a guy like Kyler Murray, getting a guy like, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, not my cup of tea because I think he might get injured, but still possibility. Dak Prescott, Mahomes, Watson. Some of these guys might need to get put on the front end of your priority list if you want a quarterback for the next 15 years. Now, am I saying that no quarterback is going to come out or we're not going to have a hot class? No, I'm not saying that. It's definitely possible that we get a hot class come in. Just keep in mind, in fantasy and dynasty leagues, dynasty primarily, about career, trajectory, value. How many points over a career are they going to put up in comparison to their competitors, and how consistent are they going to be? I'm not saying a non-superflex league, go out and take Joe Burrow with the 101 or anything even close to that. But just keep in mind, if you can get a guy that you believe can be a starter for 15 years with a late second, early third round pick, just, just take the shot. Take the shot in Dynasty. Now, I do have contradicting beliefs. I do. I have contradicting beliefs about quarterbacks and their value. Right? In Dynasty, <laughs> Especially in startup leagues, I'm cool. I'm all good. If you want to take Patrick Holmes early, if you want to reach and take him early, I'm cool with that. Because he's 24 years old, you're probably going to get 15 years, 15 years of use out of him. Second round pick, third round pick, yeah. Go ahead. I won't shame you. You're good. Now, if you take Lamar Jackson in Dynasty League, you might only get 10 years out of Lamar Jackson, if that. So I'm not as on board with Lamar Jackson. Unless he ends up showing out this year, throwing, not running nearly as much. But, you know, it's tough to see, especially without an offseason, being around your teammates, getting the practices and the offseason workouts in. But some guy that you can see that doesn't take a lot of hits, 
Patrick Mahomes, prime example, you're going to get 15 years of him being a top five quarterback. 15 years. And who knows? It could be 20 years by the time we actually get to that point because quarterbacks only lasted until they were 36 back 20 years ago. Now you see Tom Brady playing at 42. What's it going to be if Patrick Mahomes can play until he's 50 or 45, 48? Who knows? I don't think he's going to need to play to, the, to that point, but you can see this kid loves the game. He loves the game. He doesn't put himself in harm's way. He's extremely intelligent. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Patrick Mahomes is okay to take. In fact, one of my favorite, one of my favorite strategies to do in Startup Dynasty is taking George Kittle, if I have a late first-round pick, if I have a late first-round pick, taking George Kittle, and then taking Patrick Holmes back-to-back. I know, that seems crazy. And honestly, if I can trade my second-round pick, or even my first-round pick, if I have like the 110, and I can trade back into the third round, or the late second round, yeah, we'll say late second round. If I can trade back in the late second round, I'm taking George Kittle, tight end, only what, 26, 27 years old, you're going to get five or six years out of a minimum, as a top-end tight end, and still get production with him afterwards. And I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to take Patrick Holmes with a late second-round pick. And don't forget, I traded out of the first round, so I'm going to end up with either a third or a fourth-round pick or some other things. So guess what? You're sitting there with George Kittle, you're sitting there with Patrick Holmes, and then you're just going to hit right on the head until it runs out. Young players with upside, young players with upside, young players with upside. Maybe you can end up with a Miles Sanders guy in the third round, right? In the fourth round, you're looking there at, what, A.J. Brown, maybe? D.K. Metcalf? Just going to pound, pound, pound away at these young players. 2021 comes around. The running back class should be sick. should be sick. It should be really deep. So you're going to pound away at the 2021 running back class. I'm telling you. It's an easy route to go in Dynasty right now. But in seasonal and redraft leagues, you do not, you do not take a quarterback early. You don't do it. You don't do it. If you're a believer that Jackson is definitely going to repeat this year, exactly what he did this past year, never get injured, you probably want to turn off this episode. Because this episode, baby, is all about why you don't draft a quarterback early. You don't draft a quarterback early. You don't do it. You don't do it. And guys, I have insight on top of insight on top of insight for this. And I cannot wait to blow your mind. Blow it. But by the end of it, you guys are going to have some more questions. And I'll eventually get to them. I'll eventually answer them. But that's why you join Patreon. You join Patreon at patreon.com slash fantasy intervention to get those questions answered faster. Huge shout out to Jamie. He's been a huge, huge advocate of not only Fantasy Intervention, but the Patreon page as well. Huge shout out to Jamie. But you can ask him, man. He follows all of her stuff. It probably won't be very hard to find him. Go ask Jamie if it's worth having the Patreon page. It's only two bucks a month. It's 50 cents a week. And I'm getting him player on top of player on top of player that he can target and go after in his drafts and go after in the leagues that he's already a part of. Go ask him. Is it worth 50 cents a week? You get extra content. You get live shows. You get video shows. You get Devin yelling at his kids. It's pretty awesome. Not going to lie. But go join our Patreon page. Be part of the group. It's two bucks a month. It's patreon.com slash fantasy intervention. 
And while you're at it, like our page. Like this podcast. Give us a five-star review. Hit subscribe. Guys, I'm doing this pretty much all for free. I'm not getting paid. Just take two seconds and say thank you. Thank you for entertaining by hitting subscribe, hitting like, leaving a five-star review, leaving a comment, whatever you can do. Whatever you can do. I'm going out of my way to answer questions for you guys on a regular basis. The least that you guys can do is just take a few seconds to subscribe, to like our stuff, and to leave us a review. The least you guys could do. Anyways, back to the quarterback position. Since 2012, you guys ready for some numbers? I hope you guys are ready for some numbers because we're about to get number crazy. Yeah. This is like what I do with my DFS shows. This is how much I break down each individual matchup with each individual player for DFS. So I hope you guys are ready for this. We are getting into the numbers, baby. Since 2012, the average quarterback one overall scores 360 points right around there. Right around there. When I sit there and I'm trying to break it down to figure out why I don't want to draft certain positions, I leave outliers out of it. All right, I want to figure out exactly where I should go by using averages. And with just crazy years like Lamar Jackson had this past year, like Mahomes did the year before that, like Peyton Manning had in 2013, like Tom Brady had in 2007, those years typically don't repeat. In fact, looking back on it, I didn't see any years they were even close to repeating at that high of a level. So no, no, I'm not going to go in there and include these top-end guys that have these freak performances at the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, or the tight end position last year. I'm sorry, the running back, the wide receiver, and the quarterback position. Not going to do it. I'm not going to include them. Because if you did, you get skewed numbers. We want what typically happens, not freak performances. If you want freak performances, we could do it that way. We could. But CMC is going to skew that. Mark Jackson's going to skew that. And Michael Thomas is going to skew that. So I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. Especially when you sit there and you look at Lamar Jackson. Because who knew that Lamar Jackson was going to break almost every record out there in the books? Sure, you could say he might break the Russian record. But did you really think that he was going to be one of the league leaders in touchdowns? Throwing touchdowns, that is. No. No. I would be shocked. Shocked if somebody took, prior to this past year, Lamar Jackson beating out Patrick Mahomes for touchdowns thrown. You'd call me nuts. You'd call me crazy. You would say go to a psych ward. But it happened. So I'm leaving it out of it. So the number two quarterback was Prescott. Moving on. Number two quarterback was Prescott. He had 349 fantasy points. About there. Tom Brady was number 12. He had 272. When you try to find absolute values, and absolute averages, you have to use a formula in order to figure out the difference between points scored, how that affected their performance. And there's a 24.7% difference, difference in what Prescott scored and what Tom Brady scored at the position of the quarterback when it comes to number one through number 12. I'm not doing Superflex. I did do Superflex for you guys in a second, but that's not Superflex. That's just a typical league. A 24.7% difference. In Superflex, you have to go all the way down to Jacoby Brissett versus Prescott. And you say, number 24, 
get 223 fantasy points, which would have been a 44% difference. I mean, that's a huge difference right there, 44%. That's understandable. That's why quarterbacks go earlier in Superflex. They're worth more. 44% difference is definitely a huge turn. I understand that. But in normal leagues, it's only 24.7% difference. Unlike quarterbacks, there are always breakouts of the running back position. But like I said, either way, I'm still not going to include CMC in this mix. All right. Most leagues have two running back spots and a flex or one running back spot and two flex. So I'm going to go 36 running backs deep. I'll do the same thing, wide receiver, and then tight end. I'm only going to do 12 because typically you're only going to play 12 tight ends. And just to give you guys a heads up, these numbers will start to make more sense. The percentage will make more sense as I go on. And we're going to do a recap. So don't freak out because you don't know what I'm talking about. Just listen in and you'll slowly start to understand. Now, this was a terrible year for both running backs and for starting wide receivers. It really was. I don't understand why the fantasy points were so down. I didn't even realize how bad it was. But this was definitely a down year for both running backs and for wide receivers, at least starting wide receivers, that is. The number two running back was Aaron Jones. And typically, in previous years, most running backs that were up in that top-end tier, the top-end finish, got over 300 points. But this past year, it was Aaron Jones. He got 290 points, being the number two running back in fantasy. And half-point PPR, by the way, keep in mind. The number 36 running back was Tevin Coleman. He finished up with 125 fantasy points. After going through and getting the true value, true averages, you end up with a 79.7% difference in score. 79.7. We aren't even factoring at this point that only 44% of running backs in the top 36 played all 16 games. That's insane. Which means the drop-off, the drop-off for running backs is atrocious after this top two or three tiers. It's absolutely brutal. So in other words, if you ended up with three running backs in the top three tiers or so, you are going to outscore 79.7% of the rest of the league at the running back position. Yeah, crazy. That's why you pound away at running backs early in redraft leagues. You go running back. There's occasionally the time that it's okay to go wide receiver prior to the second tier of running back. Guys like Antonio Brown, it was okay. Guys like DeAndre Hopkins, up until this past year, it was okay. Michael Thomas, it was all right. You could go wide receiver with those guys. Julio Jones, sure. Borderline, yes. However, typically you want the first two tiers of running backs to come off the board before you start looking at wide receivers. And that being said, let's go ahead and hop into the wide receivers. Bad year for them, too. Going back to 2015. It's one of the worst years, actually, for wide receiver, at least the top-end wide receiver. Well, aside from Michael Thomas, that is. But even Chris Godwin, the number two guy, wasn't even up there. Not even up there with the previous years. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And it could be because teams have done a terrible job drafting wide receiver again. You know, the, the top-end wide receivers drafting the first round were absolutely brutal. Brutal. It could also be because we're going into more of a spread offense. So other players are getting a lot more targets, tight ends included. For whatever reason, the wide receivers just haven't been there. And that's why I think that a bunch of jobs are going to be taken. Over the next couple of years, a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs are going to be taken. And we could see an explosion of talent. Guys like DJ Moore are going to be worth it. Guys like Chris Godwin are going to be worth it. 
I'm telling you, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, these guys can be even close to the years previous to 2019. They're going to be taking some starting jobs. God, watch out for Chase. Jamar Chase coming out in 2021. Ooh, that's a hot one right there. That's a hot one. Too hot for me to handle. It's a hot potato. Now, let's go ahead and jump in the numbers. Chris Godwin, the number two overall wide receiver in half-point PBR, had 233 points this past season. Curtis Samuel was number 36. He had 145 points. Break it all down, that's 46.6% difference. Very, very similar value to the quarterback in Superflex leagues. Very similar values. Tight ends, they're a little bit of a different story. They're far more consistent when it comes to the top-end guys at the top-end position. And breakouts for guys aren't really breakouts. I mean, the year that Travis Kelsey had in 2018, that record-setting year, he only scored 35 points more than what he did this past year. When we talk about like Lamar Jackson, he scored over 100 points in the second highest guy. Only 35 points for the tight end. That's it. Hell, Gronk? Gronk only had like two touchdowns for two catches and like 10 yards more than what Travis Kelsey had this past year in his, what, 2015 season? I mean, that was supposed to be a huge year. He only had like 15 points more. So I'm going to leave Travis Kelsey in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, especially considering three guys in 2019 or 2018 outscored him in 2019. So Kelsey this past year had 206 points. Witten, who was number 12, had 108 points. That's a 62.4% difference. But wait. Wait, that's more than the wide receiver. Why wouldn't you take tight end over wide receiver? That's a big difference. I'm going to explain that to you now. I'm going to go into that because I know I'm going to get feedback on that one. If you're going to work off percentages, why wouldn't you go with the highest percentage as a second pick? And I'm going to break it down for you. We had the quarterback position, Prescott and Brady, 24.7. We had the running back position, Jones and Coleman, 79.7. We had the wide receiver position, Godwin and Samuel, 46.6. And then Kelsey, we had him with Witten, 62.4. So as it ranks, running backs by far, by far have the biggest value difference from position number two. All the way down to position number 36 because you can still consider starting a running back as a flex option with 80%. Same thing with the wide receiver when it comes to that. You can consider starting three wide receivers in your lineup. On the tight end position, that was the second highest with 62%. Number one, Kelsey. So number 12, Witten. 62.4%. The third highest percentage was Godwin to Samuel. 46.6%, 47%. If you want to go the whole route. And then the quarterback position, the lowest, going from Prescott to Brady, 24.7%. So, like I said, I'm going to go over why. Why would you take a wide receiver over the tight end if the tight end has the biggest difference? And this is something that I've been harping on and preaching and trying to get you guys to understand more than anything. It's not about the individual players. It's about the tiers. Understanding tier drop-offs is crucial, absolutely crucial, to good drafting. We're going to talk about quarterbacks, for example. 
Going to go into the quarterbacks. Like I said, this is a whole numbers game, guys. It's not going to be a fun, loving episode where I'm talking about individual players and how they're affecting their teams. We're going off of drafting and how you draft in redraft leagues. So, like we said, tier one quarterbacks to tier two quarterbacks. We have like Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, and Murray. Those are the top three guys in the top tier this year. So the top three guys, hands down, don't even want to talk about it. In tier two, you have guys like Watson. You have guys like Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen. You're only talking about 30 to 40 points more in a season going from the quarterback one tier down to the quarterback two tier. 30 to 40 points, that's it. That's two points per game. That's nothing for a quarterback. That's 4% of their production. It's nothing. You're talking about a 4% drop-off from Tier 1 quarterback down to Tier 2. That's nothing. Down to Tier 3, it's extremely, extremely similar. For Tier 1 wide receivers, you're talking about Godwin, right? With Tom Brady in the slot. He's going to be hot this year, right? 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 Yeah, he's going to be wide receiver one. He's going to be up in that top tier. He's going to be a top-end draft pick. You have him with Julio Jones. Still has another year left, in my opinion. You have Michael Thomas. Stuff Hopkins, right? Possibly he could be a tier one guy. I mean, Vontae Adams, Cooper Cup. Right? Right? I mean, they're scoring like 250 to 270 points, or at least they should be, just based off of history. But we're going to say they score 250, 270 points for that tier one set of guys. Tier two guys, you know, you're talking about, I don't know, Mari Cooper, Adam Thielen, Keenan Allen. Right? They're going to be scoring right around 210 to 220 points. That's still like a 30 to 40 point difference, right? Right? 30, 40 points, maybe 50 points from tier one to tier two. That's the same as the quarterback, right? But no, it's not. It's not. It's still two points per game less. But that's close to 12% of their production. 12%. You're taking off 12% of their production every time you drop down a tier. And there are so many tiers. With quarterbacks, you could pretty much make a tier case that there's only five tiers of guys. Maybe six. Maybe six tiers of guys. For wide receiver, you're talking about 15 tiers. You're talking about all sorts of different mixing and matching of tiers. 12% difference. I'm not even going to talk about running back because you guys should already know that running backs are the most valuable ones. So I'm not going to go into that. I didn't even waste my time going into breaking down the percentage of tiers because there is such a massive, massive jump. When you talk about tier one with like Kelsey and Kittle for the tight end position, you go to tier two with Ertz and Andrew and Waller. It's literally less than a 20-point difference from Tier 1 guys to Tier 2 guys. Less than 20-point difference. That is 1% of their production. They are only dropping off 1% of their production. That's why you go with a wide receiver. That's why you go with a wide receiver. That's why you go with a wide receiver over tight end. And then you're sitting there and you're like, but that doesn't make any sense because now you're talking about them being more valuable because of the tier production. But, but the, the quarterback position, that drops off from the tier production, right? That's, that's a higher tier production drop off with 4% being 1%. The difference is consistency at the tight end. Consistency. 
There is so much volatility when it comes to trusting in a tight end guy that you get after the first two tiers. After the first two tiers of guys, are you really going to trust sending out Eric Ebron to be successful for you every single week? Are you really going to trust a guy like, I don't know, Jack Doyle to go out and produce for you every single week? Jason Witten, no. You can't trust in that. However, would you trust in a guy like Matt Ryan to go out and produce for you every single week? Or at least most weeks. Would you trust in a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who I believe was number ninth, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, a guy like Aaron Rodgers to go out and produce for you in most weeks? Kind of suck if you had to, but guess what? Guess what? He's still not going to be that far behind. The tight end position is a complete crapshoot in the bottom tier of guys that are still tar- startable in fantasy. Still startable. That drop-off after the first six or seven tight ends is brutal. Absolutely brutal. So you have to understand tier balancing and draft order while selecting guys. You have to know the balance between tier production loss and overall point lossage based on position. So what do you do? You prioritize running back first. First tier and second tier running back. Unless there's a guy that you just know is going to crush it because of scheduling or whatever the the concept is, it should be running back tier one, running back tier two. Wide receiver tier one. Running back tier three. And then you can sit there and throw it up in the air to wide receiver tier two or tight end tier one. You have to understand how to balance certain guys. And it doesn't matter. It really does not matter where you have these guys sitting as long as they are inside of a tier. I don't base my values off of individual players. I base my values off of tiers. Once you understand how to do that, you can draft successfully and set up a base. That's not even the most important part. It's not even the most important part for winning a fantasy season. But you can at least lay down your base, lay down your foundation to go out there and win your seasonal leagues. Go do it. Go do it. And then bring me back the trophy, bitches. Go get them. Bring me my trophies. Go on. Bring my fantasy intervention trophies. I want to see them all. (laughs) That was a little more of a serious episode, guys, but I just had to get it out there because I saw too many basic conversations. Typically, I wait. Typically, I wait, but people are bored, so they are starting redraft leagues now. It blows my mind, but people are doing it. And following the draft, you guys will get my tier rankings. At least the Patreon members will get my tier rankings. It's not going to be available for the rest of you freeloading scum. Just kidding, kind of. Uh, Yeah, you guys will get my tier rankings. You guys will get my player rankings, of course. I don't even like doing player rankings. I just like tier rankings because they're what makes sense to me. Either way, you guys will get my tier rankings and my player rankings. And, yeah, we're going to do a whole bunch of other things that are going to be fun, 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 fun fantasy stuff for Patreon members. Patreon.com slash fantasy intervention. It's two bucks a month. That's it. 
Tell them to share your support. Give them to share your love. Not leave us a review. You guys can follow us on Facebook.com slash Fantasy Intervention. If you guys want to listen to us on any other source, we're available on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and CastBox. Fantasy football discussion, a huge shout-out to you guys. Love hearing from you guys. And then, of course, of course, thank you all for listening. And thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life.